listening to My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. Each episode, we look at the topics that can make our working lives difficult and explore how you can take action to improve things. We want to help you move from simply surviving work to thriving at work. My Pocket Psych is brought to you by Work Life Psych, a team of workplace psychologists who are experts in coaching, training, and structured development programs. You can find out more about how we help people grow and develop at work by visiting our website, worklifepsych.com. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of My Pocket Psych the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon, and I'm joined by my co-host, Pilar Orti. Hi, Pilar. How are you? I am well, but you sound a little bit under the weather. It's it's a head cold, but as I'm a man, it's very serious. (laughs) It's extremely serious. And uh, making great sacrifices by recording today. Uh, I'm just wondering just how terrible this is going to sound in people's ears. So apologies. This is a week now I've been battling this. So I would like everyone who is ill in London to stay at home and stop coming out and spreading your germs. Anyway, I'll survive. And you're okay. <laughs> you yes, haven't picked I'm, up I'm anything. Right. Because like we, like we were saying before we started recording, I rarely travel nowadays uh, into London. So I'm almost uh, germ free. But that might also be a problem because maybe all my immune system is just getting way too relaxed. I'm picturing you in a kind of a bubble now. I don't know why. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> a safe uh, bubble, though. A safe one. <laughs> Well, this is uh, the third in our series looking at this concept of psychological flexibility in a a little bit more detail. Now, we have referenced it in the past. If you've listened to a few of the episodes in this podcast, you will have heard us mention it. But what I thought we might do is, is revisit it and look at it in more detail because we actually crammed in quite a lot of discussion about it in the very, very early episodes of this podcast. So, um, recently, in episode 53, we looked at the role of values and how we can put our values into practice. And that's a, a key process within this psychological flexibility that we're talking about. And I was joined by Ross McIntosh, who is um, an absolute expert in this space, the host of the People Soup podcast. And we had a great chat uh, all about values. And then last time in episode 54, we looked at psychological flexibility in coaching contexts. And um, in addition to our normal chat, uh, Pilar and I, uh, we also had an interview with Dr. Rachel Skews from Goldsmiths, University of London, whose PhD was all about um, evaluating coaching using psychological flexibility methods. So this time we're going to look at another one of the processes. And I'll be honest, I, I thought... Um, quite a bit about the order in which we would do these episodes. And I thought I'd challenge myself and not do them in the order that I'm really used to doing them in, um, just to demonstrate that you can approach the processes almost from any direction, in any order, and they can be really, really useful. So this episode's all about the role of um, mindful awareness of the present moment, being here being now. And that's really emphasized when we talk about psychological flexibility. So that's what it's going to be all about today. And hopefully at the end of this episode, uh, listeners will have a bit more clarity on what we mean when we talk about this mindful focus and have a few ideas about how they can build it in to their everyday lives.
I remember, Richard, you mentioning in a previous episode, it might have been actually 54, that sometimes the word uh, mindful, mindfulness, that uh, because of the way it's uh, gone into the popular uh, vocabulary, that sometimes it puts people off. So um, do you mm. find that? <laughs> uh, yes, sometimes. Um, so I would, uh, I would say that when I'm working with a group or when I'm working with an individual and we, we, we start to explore this particular process, this topic of being mindful, I would put people into one of three camps. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't tell them that, but obviously, but you know, you've got people who actually, you know, engage in, um, mindfulness meditation already. And so they're very familiar with some of the principles that I'll talk about. And that's great because they've got some of these skills already. Um, you've got the people who've never heard of it whatsoever and they're maybe a little bit intrigued, but we need to start from scratch and that's absolutely fine. And then you've got these cynics um, or the people who've heard of mindfulness to some extent, but they really don't want to try it or they tried it once and it didn't work for them, which is, you know, the opposite of a mindful approach because it's not about trying it once. And, um, and, and some people will resist um, trying anything that sounds like meditation. Some people for religious reasons, um, and they would view it as running contrary to their religious beliefs and other people, because they just think it's a bit too airy fairy for them and they want to do something quite concrete. So rather than jettisoning this, um, topic completely, I will try and get the measure of the people I'm working with and maybe not use mindful as a word at all, but instead talk about focus. Mm -hmm. Because focus is about, well, where is your focus going? What are you focusing on? And when you focus, what do you notice? And if you're not focusing, what are you missing uh, by not paying attention? So many people are more familiar with talking about their focus and their attention. And they're more neutral words, I think, a little bit more accepted. It's so interesting within everything, and, and this, this is going a little bit broader, but the, the language and our connection with language and our reactions to language and, uh, and actually noticing that, I think that's part, mm. of, uh, it's part of it uh, too. It, it's language is really important and is core to all of this that we're talking about in this series. You know, the thoughts we have um, really are a function of the language we have. It's very hard to have a thought about something if you don't have the word to describe it. And therefore, the words that we use are, are, are important. And noticing the words we're using or how we respond to certain words is very interesting and very useful depending on what we're talking about. And that's not to say that we're trying to get people to change the words they use and there are bad words that shouldn't be thought, but to point out that sometimes they're not so helpful, the things that we're saying to ourselves. And, um, you know, they might be taking us away from a direction that could be helpful, helpful for us to travel in. But all of this is dependent uh, I would argue, on our capacity to notice in the first place. So if we're not noticing, that makes a lot of the other things we're talking about quite difficult. And that's mm -hmm. why it's it's kind of central to all of this. And when you're talking about noticing, um, how... I'm, I'm just picturing you. I'm picturing you with a group of people <laughs> starting to have the conversation about noticing. What is the the, the application or what is the importance? Where, where do we see and where can we value noticing in, mm. in our, I don't know, in our day-to-day -day interactions, for example, or, or in our or in our day-to-day, -day, actually? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, a really common way that I'll explore this with people is to ask who commutes and to talk about their experience of having their mind wander while they're commuting. It's a really common experience. And so people can say, Oh yeah, I've, I've had that. I've got to the train 
station destination and I've not realized the passing of time. I was caught up in my thoughts. I was somewhere else, but they weren't paying attention to the train journey itself or that they've driven quite a distance and not been aware of what they've passed, what they've seen, what they've heard, because they've been doing something very automatic because they're a skilled driver, but also something complex and not been paying attention to it. So that's to illustrate that there can be a difference as to where we are and what we're doing and where our attention is focused. The other example I, I sometimes use is that as human beings, we often have an awareness of when, when the people that we're talking to are not paying attention to us. Mm -hmm. they're, they're there, they're physically there, but we can tell from their facial expression, from where their eyes go, that maybe they're, they're not really listening to us. And so not only are we good at drifting off in our minds to the future and the past, but we're also quite aware that other people do it and we can spot it. And so what I don't want to do is to say we should never daydream. We should never imagine the future. But to say also, when it's helpful for us to focus on the here and now, let's work on developing the skill to do that, because that is difficult if we're not used to doing it. So the, the noticing, bringing our focus to bear on the here and now, is both noticing what's going on inside of us. So what am I saying to myself? What am I feeling right now? Uh, what's my body telling me? You know, am I tense? Am I relaxed? Am I hot, cold? Whatever it might be. And what's going on around me? who's here, what's the tone of this context. And context is so important. You know, I mentioned this umbrella term of contextual behavioral science in the last episode. Part of this is the necessity for us to be what the context kind of requires of us. So we're going to be a little bit different, a little bit flexible in how we behave and react depending on the context, which is the opposite of what many of us do, uh, which is be, you know, inflexibly the same person regardless of what's going on around us. And that won't always work well for us. So noticing being in the present moment allows us to understand what we're experiencing inside and gives us a clue as to the context around us so we can better deal with that context and sort of show up as the best version of ourselves in that moment. That's such a great, um, um, great way of looking at this. Of course, this is the, the, the basis of it. The fact that what we're doing is developing that skill for when we need it. We might not need it all the time, but we, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually a bit like driving a car. <laughs> mm. we, we learn to drive the car. We become really good at driving the car. It doesn't mean that we always have to get the car to go from A to B, but it's there if we need it. I like that. Exactly. And there's no harm, as I say, in daydreaming. There's no mm. harm in letting your mind just, you know, time travel. But if that's at the expense of something that's meaningful to you, then it is something you could change. Yeah. And it's a challenge for many of us because, you know, we can get caught up in our thoughts. We've got busy minds. We've got a lot going on. And at its very core, this mindful focus on the here and now is actually just focusing on one thing. And if you just think about your day today and how much information came at you and how many demands there were on your attention, there may have been times today or earlier in the week when you felt your attention was actually spread quite thinly and it would have been easy to make a mistake or miss something that was going on around you. This mindful approach is to so bring that attention to one thing at a time and give it your attention. So 
we talked about how people can misunderstand this. And one of the big misunderstandings that I encounter is that people think being mindful is about being relaxed. Hmm. And so if you, if you do mindfulness meditation, depending on your intention for that, sure, it can relax you. But what we're talking about here is bringing your attention to bear on what's important. And that could be like a laser beam. It's not about sitting in the corner and relaxing. It's about bringing all your attention to bear on what's in front of you right now, be it a person, a spreadsheet, a document or a meal, you know, and really focusing on the task at hand. And so, so it, it sounds really complicated as a thing. It's very, it sounds simple as a concept, but complicated to learn how to do it. So is there, um, How do you how do you find that people usually learn to do this, or, or how mm. do you coach them uh, to to do this if, if if that's the approach? Yeah, and and it, it is, and it's about starting small, and mm. it's about demonstrating that we can all do it already. It, for most of us, it's about doing more of it. So, um, you know, when I was putting together some notes for this, I was thinking, well, what would be really common examples of of when we notice? What do we notice that could be useful for us? Um, One of the examples I thought of is if you start to notice that when you're bored, you reach for your smartphone, that tells you something. Now, it doesn't mean don't reach for your smartphone, but it could tell you about, well, is there something else I could do instead of mindlessly scrolling through Twitter or something? Or you notice that whenever you think about your email and you can't get to your email, you start to feel a little bit tense or you have thoughts that sound a little bit worried. Um, or you can notice the difference between your thoughts before a big event and your thoughts after a big event. And you realize, oh, I was kind of talking myself into a bit of a panic beforehand, but now I feel quite relaxed about it now that it's out of the way. What can I learn about this? Um, so We we can do this. It's about noticing the noticing, if that doesn't sound <laughs> yes. too circular. You do it already, but a lot of the time the habit is to do many things at the same time. And so at its at its simplest, the developing a mindful focus on the here and now is relearning how to do one thing at a time. And that can be as simple as taking a um, task, a very simple task that you do and doing it to the exclusion of everything else. And so when I ask people about a task they do every day that is very, very simple, one of the most common answers is brushing your teeth. What we do when we're brushing our teeth a lot of the time is we try and accomplish other tasks because it's so simple in itself. We feel, oh, I've got this brain here. It's not really being used, you know, to maximum capacity. I better listen to the news while I brush my teeth or plan my day while I brush my teeth or brush my teeth and walk around my home, you know, gathering things to put into my bag. And so we're multitasking, multitasking all the time. Whereas a, a, a unitasking approach to something as simple as brushing your teeth means that your attention goes on that and you notice more about that experience. And I'm going to be very basic about it, but you will notice physical sensations in your mouth that would have been outside of your awareness while you were frantically doing other things. Notice things like taste of the toothpaste. You, you'll definitely notice the passing of time because you're only focusing on this one thing at a time. And that's a very simple example of how we're able to remind ourselves of what it feels like to do one thing at a time. 
Does, does that example make sense? Yes, it does. And I think that uh, all of this also brings to mind this concept of slowing down in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, slow, actually, probably slowing down the thoughts if, and sometimes slowing down actions also. Um, and I think that's so important because I really feel that um, it, it's something definitely that I could do more often. <laughs> it is that concept of, of slowing down so that you can be more intentional then also about stuff. Um, that's right, and, exactly, yeah. And one, one example that came to mind as you were talking was something that I've noticed is when I go for a walk, I always listen to a podcast and very often my mind wanders off. But a lot of the time I want to be listening to the podcast um, and I think, okay, mind's gone off. Let's go back. Let's concentrate now because what I want to go, I want to focus on the conversation. And, you know, the thoughts have come great. Yes. What do that they tell me? But actually what I want to be doing now is listening to to this conversation. So, yeah, it's just that it's really that awareness. And then if you're aware, then maybe you can decide. Exactly. If you're not aware, then it's happening beyond your awareness. And then at the end of your walk, you realize, oh, I don't remember anything in that podcast. <laughs> what, what happened there? But you're noticing where your attention is going um, rather than being on automatic pilot. You know, and that, that's the big difference. So there's so many examples from our daily lives that we can bring to bear on this that we don't really need to create anything. It, it, it's just about um, identifying opportunities to notice. So simple things like mindful breathing can be a really great start. And that can be as simple as just sitting back in your seat and taking 30 seconds to just focus on your breath. Um, nothing magical about it, but instead of bringing your attention to bear on a podcast or on a, on, on a cup of coffee, you're bringing it internally and you're focusing on what it feels like to breathe in and what it feels like to breathe out. The way I, I put it to groups is, no equipment necessary, no investment required. You're going to breathe anyway, but you do it so automatically. It's a very interesting experience to get back in touch with what, what do you notice about your body and your mind when you just focus on breathing in and breathing out. And for most of us, the first thing we realize is, wow, my mind is busy and noisy. When I stop trying to do things with it, it still continues. And, and people feel, well, I wasn't doing it well because I didn't feel calm. Well, 30 seconds will not make a difference. I'm sorry. Um, it's practice, but it, that's the first thing people notice is that my mind keeps thinking even when I don't want it to. And that's core to what we're talking about here. So by, by just focusing on breath, by just focusing on, uh, maybe just going for a walk without your phones in, without someone to talk to and focusing on the action of walking, uh, doing the washing up, just doing the washing up and, and exploring what it feels like to do that. Or are actually so many household chores, you know, ironing, sweeping, any of these things can be done in a kind of a unitasking way for us to be more present in that moment rather than, well, this is simple. So I should probably use my brain to do a half dozen other things at the same time and experience none of them really well. Hmm. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that the, the, the concept is simple. So what gets in the way? <laughs> why do, <laughs> why is it, why are we talking about this on the show actually? Yeah, because, you know, don't you just want to flip a switch in your brain and be mindful? Um, I, I think it depends who you ask, but I think there's, there's quite a few things going on here. I would, I would suggest that 
um, a lack of mindful focus is as much a habit as anything else. So we're in the habit of, of multitasking. And so like any other habit, that can be replaced with a more helpful habit for when we want to. So we can add a mindful tool to our toolkit. And when we want to, we can bring that focus to bear on something because it's meaningful for us. And that meaningfulness could be paying attention to our spouse when they're they're telling us about their day. It could be paying attention to the meal we're having so that we're not, you know, looking at a tablet or something. We're actually tasting every mouthful and really enjoying the meal. Or it could be just watching one screen at a time, really enjoying the TV show and not trying to do three other things at the same time because sitting still is, is, is challenging, right? So there's the habit in there, but there's also the sheer volume of information and distractions that come at us on a regular basis now in the 21st century. We're surrounded by it. So it, one of the things that can make being mindful a bit easier for us is to notice these distractions and to try and minimize them around us. Because when people feel overwhelmed, uh, and I'm talking about the workplace specifically, you unpick that feeling of overwhelm. And actually, a lot of it is of their own making. And it was for, for good reasons, but they've got, you know, reminders pinging off. They've got their email open and that's going ping. They've got stuff gathered all around them. Uh, you know, paperwork and post-it notes and all of that is, is, is trying to get your attention at the same time. And, and therefore the attention spread quite thinly over several things. And, and, and while it might feel like progress, we're, we're, we're not multitasking. You know, I've said this before, we, we can't multitask um, with complex things. And so what we're doing is switching our attention really, really quickly between complex activities. And that's not a great way to do those things. And it's not great for us either, because it feels a bit more difficult. So challenging the notion that we can multitask and be good at multitasking in the first place, you know, that's something, that's a conversation I have quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And as you're, again, as you're talking, I'm thinking, so you could extend the, this, the concept of noticing to not just what's going on within you. And of course, this goes probably outside of the psychological flexibility, but also that awareness of your context, as, as you're saying, the mm-hmm. awareness of your surroundings, the aware of the, uh, how your job uh, affects you, how your colleagues affect you and, and seeing and noticing so that you can decide what you want to change and what can you change. Exactly. You know, um, to be able to answer the question, what does this context require of me? Mm-hmm. And one of the um, benefits of noticing and paying more attention to your context, you know, where am I right now, is that you can learn a lot more and in, and have a more enjoyable experience. Because, you know, people have, have given me feedback, and I've heard stories like this many times over the years, where people will notice something about their environment and assume it's new, but it's been there forever <laughs> and they've, and then they've just never noticed it before because walking through that hallway or walking through that office was, was, was being done while they were doing other things. And now that they're just paying attention to people and objects around them, they're seeing them in a new light. And that can be a nice experience for us as well. But it's the difference, say, between, you know, sitting on a delayed train and, and being really angry about it and planning how you're going to create a tweet storm uh, online versus looking out the window and seeing what you can see. You're in the same place, but you're um, interacting with your environment in a very different way because, well, for one thing, that's out of your control. And for another thing, you could practice noticing what's going on around you. So 
while we didn't start with this topic of mindful attention and mindful um, focus on the present moment, um, it's one that can make the other processes within psychological flexibility that easier. So sometimes it's one that I'll start with if I'm working with uh, with an individual, depending on what their presenting topic is. So noticing what they're saying to themselves about a difficult challenge, for example, and practicing being in the present moment around that. For others, it might be starting um, where Ross and I discussed it, starting by establishing what's important to them because they need to make a big life decision or they're working through a transition. So we'll look at their experience through the lens of values. But these support each other. If you've got clarity on what matters to you and you're paying attention to the here and now, you're then able to see, am I acting in accordance with what I think is important to me or am I doing automatic things, automatic responses and are they helpful to me? So each of these processes that we're going to be talking about in some detail, they do support each other. And that's why I said at the outset, you don't have to look at them in any particular order, but many practitioners will start by looking at values or they'll start by looking at a more mindful approach to illustrate the processes that follow. And there can be a logical journey um, in that regard. So simple ways that we can each be a little bit more mindful would be to look for opportunities to do simple tasks one at a time and just notice how it feels to do one thing at a time rather than believing you can do multiple things concurrently, to pay a little bit more attention to the environments that you find yourself in. And here's an interesting difference. When we go to a new place, we're a bit more mindful because we've not seen it before and we pay a little bit more attention. It's when we're in the familiar places that we are a little bit more automatic pilot. So if you are a commuter, you could start to pay attention to your commute and notice where's my mind going? Is it going to the future? Is it going to the past? Can I bring it to the here and now? Because, of course, if our mind takes us on a journey to the future, it could be enjoyable. It could be awful as well. It could be quite unpleasant because it's about anxieties. It's, a, it's about worries. Or it could take us to the past, which could be a really pleasant memory. Or it could be an upsetting memory or something that we don't really want to think about. So the point about being mindful and present is that we're avoiding this time travel that we don't want to experience and we're we're going on a mental journey that is useful for us. So if it's not here and now, we're maybe thinking about the future because we're planning or we're reaching into our past experience to find a solution to a problem that's right in front of us. But we're directing that. We're deciding where we go mentally. We're not being taken on a journey by our mind. And for many people, that's probably the big win to get because they don't want to be taken on these journeys because they, they find them unpleasant. And so being able to notice where your mind is going and gently bring yourself back to the here and now, that's the nub of all of this. Yeah. <laughs> My mind was going to the listeners, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to ask you where your mind was going there. <laughs> yeah, mine was uh, going to the listeners because I would love to hear, uh, after listening through this, whether one, whether this is something that resonates, like a lot of the scenarios that you that you have um, that you have talked about, whether that resonates too, whether they have whether they have become more mindful uh, deliberately and why and how, actually, that would be quite interesting to to find out. So um, uh, listeners get in touch. 
Yo, I'd love to hear if you experiment with doing one thing at a time um, mm-hmm. and what it's like to pay attention to very simple tasks. One of the big pieces of pushback I get, actually, when I, I talk about not multitasking is that people are concerned it's going to take so much longer. But actually, if you think about it, you, you can complete tasks more quickly, one after another, if you're giving them your full attention. When we're kind of overwhelmed, that's when we make mistakes and we have to keep going back to check what we've done because we don't really remember if we did it properly. Whereas if we do one thing at a time, we can be sure that we're heading in the right direction, tasks are completed, and they're getting an appropriate amount of our attention. So we can be more efficient. We can be more productive when we're in the here and now, um, rather than spreading our attention, spreading our focus uh, far too thinly. So yeah, I'd love to hear from anyone who's experimenting with this, anyone who's cracked it and has advice for other people about how to be more mindful and what the benefits for them are. You can uh, get in touch with us on Twitter at mypocketpsych, or if you have a much longer story to tell us, and I would love to hear them, um, you can leave us a message on uh, the contact page, worklifepsych.com forward slash contact. So we'll continue our journey um, uh, through these processes of psychological flexibility. And next time we'll be talking about the role of our thoughts and going into a little bit more detail about this move away from struggling with thoughts and controlling thoughts to actually letting thoughts be, um, which can be quite a big step for many of us, depending on the kind of relationship we have with our own minds. But for now, that's our discussion about mindful focus on the here and now. Uh, as ever, thank you for listening. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com slash contact. Thanks for listening.